Not guilty. The U.S. Senate completely exonerated President Donald Trump, and appropriately so. The partisan impeachment was a farce from start to finish. We'll discuss it next. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Concerned Women for America's Use Your Voice. I'm your host, Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. And now we have gotten to the other side of the impeachment sham. With the vote of 48-52 and 47-53, we now have the impeachment of the president in our rearview mirror. You know, it was very refreshing today to actually hear the president share his thoughts on this. You know, there's been a lot going on and our president's not one to hold back. But I think today at the National Prayer Breakfast and then later at the White House, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, we really got to hear the president's heart. In a second, you're going to hear a clip from the National Prayer Breakfast in which this morning the president talks about the personal toll that this impeachment's had on him and his family. You take a minute and just imagine what it's like to be the president, to be the first lady, to be his children, and recognize whether you believe this or not, I believe the president was innocent, and the president believes that he was innocent. His family believes he's innocent. So all of this that we know now about people who worked for the FBI, people who have worked for the State Department, um, you know, people who honestly we know now from the emails from Lisa Page and Peter Strzok were truly plotting against the president. And all of this has come out. And it's painful. It's hard. And it's difficult to sort through it in the context of your humanity, in the context of faith. So take a listen. I think it's very interesting to hear what the president's remarks were today at the National Prayer Breakfast. As everybody knows, my family, our great country, and your president have been put through a terrible ordeal by some very dishonest and corrupt people. They have done everything possible to destroy us, and by so doing, very badly hurt our nation. They know what they are doing is wrong, but they put themselves far ahead of our great country. Weeks ago and again yesterday, courageous Republican politicians and leaders had the wisdom, fortitude, and strength to do what everyone knows was right. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Nor do I like people who say, I pray for you, when they know that that's not so. So many people have been hurt. And we can't let that go on. 
So that was this morning when the president was addressing the national prayer breakfast and talking about really the viciousness of all of this and how deeply painful it was to him and his family. I was really grateful and honored to be included in another group, a much smaller group today at the White House. The president brought together people that had been his supporters, people, members of the Senate, people like Kelly Loeffler from Georgia. You had Senator Cassidy from Louisiana. You had other senators who had, you know, really spoken up in support of him on television. You had members of the House, people like Jim Jordan, who was on the House Oversight Committee, actually. You had um, Mark Meadows, you had Elise Stefanik, and then you had people that were heads of organizations like me who had really taken a position in support of the president and had rallied our grassroots in favor of supporting him against the vote for impeachment. And it was just this really important moment where we all came together The mood was very celebratory. It was a moment really of relief. It was a moment where we could all come together and, you know, sort of put it behind us and and think about moving forward as a nation. Now, I guess we'll find out what the Democrats plan to do because they vowed to fight on, right? They're always looking for something else. But really, when you look at polling data and when you travel around the country, I've just been in Iowa, I've been in other states, Pennsylvania and other states in which people, the voters have come to me and said, what are they doing? There's important issues like health care, economic policy, educational issues that I elected these people to go work on and yet they are wasting time, energy, and money trying to unseat a duly elected president. And people are very angry about it. And I think that This is starting to show up in the polling data for Democrats. I think they're starting to hear. And so they can fight on, but I would strongly suggest that it's to their benefit to reorient themselves on the task of running the country. If just a fraction of all this energy had gone into creating better infrastructure to really, you know, helping with lowering drug prices to actually focusing on economic policy. Can you imagine what we could have done? In fact, the president made the same point in his speech. Have a listen to what he said. I think it's a shame. But as I said, if we can put this genius to work on roads and highways and bridges and all of the things we can do, prescription drugs, you know, we had Secretary Azar is here, and I want to thank him for this. But we had uh, first time in 51 years where drug prices actually came down last year. First time in 51 years. But what we can do working with both parties in Congress is, would be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable what we can do. And I know Chuck Grassley is working very hard on it, and Mitch is working very hard on it. But what we can do is, is incredible. What we can do just generally. But instead, it's about a president that they hate so much that they can't even stand up in favor of a man who is a Tuskegee Airman who served in World War II in Korea and Vietnam. And the president had made him a brigadier general. Because the president said it and did it, they have to be against it. That's how far we've come. So, I mean, I, just the angst that the president and hurt that he's felt around this, I mean, I get it. I understand why he's upset. 
So take a listen to one of the comments he made. It was an hour-long speech. I, I, <laughs> I had another meeting. I actually forget that the president really, he loves to talk, and he likes to talk off the cuff. This was not a teleprompter address at all. This was just a gathering of supporters in which he really could share his heart. He had the first lady there. He had his son, Baron, and Ivanka and other children there and he was just he was just the president he just said what he thought and he he made people laugh and I'm sure he made some people cringe (laughs) which he's sometimes prone to do but you know I think what was interesting today the most interesting thing for me is I think the president had this moment in both speeches in which he really sort of opened up and let us see behind the curtain into his feelings on this. This has clearly been very hurtful for his family. This has clearly been very painful for the First Lady. The President even went as far as to apologize to his family for what they have been through. Let's remember Baron Trump is 13 years old. He is a child who is living in the White House, living in the fishbowl. This has to be hard for him. And what I also know about the President and um, and I actually had a conversation about this with Don Jr. about how that the president doesn't really love letting people see behind the curtain to see, you know, he likes to always appear strong because that that's his generation. That's that's how he was raised, and you know, to to be vulnerable is sometimes to appear weak. I disagree with that. I think when you let people in and let people see the man, I think that it's helpful to him, and I think it 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 makes us understand more what's going on at a personal level, and and I think creates uh, more support for the president. So he managed to, again, you can tell it's hard, but he does take a moment and let people see how he's feeling and how deeply hurt he and his family is about all this. So take a listen to what he said. I want to apologize to my family for having them have to go through a phony, rotten deal by some very evil and sick people. And Ivanka's here and my my sons and my whole family. And that includes Baron, who's up there as a young boy. Stand up, honey. Ivanka, thank you, honey. Come. So I just want to thank my family for sticking through it. This was not part of the deal. I was going to run for president, and if I won, I was going to do a great job. I didn't know that I was going to run, and then when I got in, I was going to have to run again and again and again. Every week, I had to run again. That wasn't the deal, but they stuck with me. And I'm so glad I did it because we are making progress and doing things for our great people that everybody said couldn't be done. Our country is thriving. Our country is just respected again. And it's an honor to be with the people in this room. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was the point in the speech where the president brought his family up on stage, and it was just very interesting in watching him hug his daughter. Like I think she, in particular, I think has struggled with all, all of this. And so this was a moment where, you know, they could just say, we're done. This is over. We're through it. We made it through it. And um, anyway, it was just a beautiful moment. But we'll talk about it some more. Let's take a break, and then we'll be back after that. 
Hi, CWA listeners. You've heard all this talk about socialism in America today. Do you want to understand what socialism is and how it impacts society? Or how to respond to socialist promises like free stuff, healthcare, and college? For answers to these and many other questions, visit ConcernWomen.org, click on Podcast, and for a donation of any amount, you'll receive a copy of The Truth About Socialism. Again, ConcernWomen.org, click on Podcast. Welcome back to Use Your Voice. I have some headlines that I think just say everything. So let's remember how long this has been going on and how long the president's enemies have been wanting to impeach him. Vanity Fair, December 15th, 2016. The headline is, Democrats are paving the way to impeach Donald Trump. The Washington Post, January 20th, 2017. Okay, this is, this is I think, the day of the inauguration or right after. The campaign, this is the headline, the campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. Let's just take a minute and let that soak in. From the beginning when the president took the oath of office, many of us went to his inauguration and were there in support of him. Many of you probably came from around the country to be a part of it or watched on TV. From that moment and even before, the president's enemies were planning to impeach him. Then we move on Time Magazine, same date, January 20th. There's already a campaign to impeach Donald Trump. Again, the Washington Post, February 24th, 2017. Impeach Trump? Question mark. Most Democrats already say yes. CNN, February 6, 2017. That's three years ago. Rep. Maxine Waters, colon, Trump's actions leading himself to impeachment. The Independent on February 23rd, 2017. Keith Ellison calls for impeachment investigations of Donald Trump. It has been non-ending from the very beginning. But this is one of those things that has been difficult and been on the president's shoulders from the very beginning. And they agitated and kept on and kept on and finally found what they wanted and moved forward. It's been vindictive. It's been at times petty. It's been ugly. And it culminated just a few nights ago at the State of the Union after a beautiful speech in which the president recognized heroes. He recognized Kayla Mueller's parents. Kayla Mueller, who was raped and murdered by al-Baghdadi. Her parents were were actually in the chamber. I already talked about the Tuskegee Airmen and his grandson who wants to be in Space Force. Um, You know, all of these amazing people, patriots. And yet, Nancy Pelosi, you know, what I find to be petty and juvenile, ripped up his speech at the end so that he could hear it and know that her disdain, that's how she was showing her dissatisfaction. Why can't we all just be patriots for one moment? Why can the chamber not come together? Why, in the, after that beautiful speech, at least in the moments where other Americans were being recognized, could we all not stand to our feet and wholeheartedly embrace the idea of American exceptionalism, the importance of, of unity, 
the importance of military service, the importance of other kinds of service, the importance of school choice, the importance of, of many principles that Americans support. Why can't we do that? But yet, what happened instead was Nancy Pelosi ripped up the speech. Today, earlier, when the president was at the prayer breakfast, he's struggling with this, right? He's struggling with the issue of forgiveness. Again, we're seeing behind the scenes, behind the, the facade, into the heart of the man. And I think we can safely say that the president, like all of us, struggles to love his enemies. He struggles with forgiveness. We all do. We all struggle with that. And that's part of the journey. This, that's part of my Christian journey, to learn to forgive, to learn to move on and love to give grace. It is as a believer that I truly am able to give forgiveness. Still a struggle, but when you understand how completely broken you are, what a sinful person you are, the depth of your own brokenness and what Jesus took on himself when he went on the cross in order to redeem the what redemption has done what grace and mercy looks like it's much easier to forgive because you know how much you've been forgiven so let's listen to what the president says remember when he says this he's sitting four seats away from Nancy Pelosi and here's his words we're grateful to the people in this room for the love they show to religion not one religion, but many religions. They're brave. They're brilliant. They're fighters. They like people. And sometimes they hate people. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm trying to learn. It's not easy. It's not easy. When they impeach you for nothing, uh, then you're supposed to like them. It's not easy, folks. I do my best. But I'll tell you what we are doing. We're restoring hope and spreading faith. We're helping citizens of every background take part in the great rebuilding of our nation. We're declaring that America will always shine as a land of liberty and light unto all nations of the world. We want every nation to look up to us like they are right now. We were not a respected nation. Just a few years ago, we had lost our way. Our country is respected again by everybody. This morning, let us ask Father in heaven to guide our steps, protect our children, and bless our families. And with all of our heart, let us forever embrace the eternal truth that every child is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. We're at the end of this process. We have a president and his family who are struggling with forgiveness and struggling with moving on. And But actually, you know, celebrating and enjoying the fact that they're past this moment and able to move on. The question is whether the Democratic Party will allow our president and our Congress to move on to deal with the important business of this nation. Now, what do we do? 
what is the moment for us as supporters of the president? Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're just a Christian who who cares about your nation. You don't particularly love the president. Or maybe it's things about the president, his tweets, or something that, that you just find offensive. I assume that everyone I'm talking to love their nation and love God. And I think what we all can come together and agree on are a couple of things. One is we need to do the business of the country. And I hope that we can all come together in agreement on that, that there's important work to be done. The second thing is we need to pray for our leaders. It's very clear in the Bible that we are to pray for our leaders. I'm actually studying in my devotions 1 Timothy. And just 1 Timothy 2 this morning reminds us that it is part of our duty to pray and to pray for each other and to pray for our president and our leaders. And regardless of party, regardless of position, that is one of our duties. So that is something we can do. I would ask you to pray for the president, to pray for his family, to pray for Nancy Pelosi, to pray for Mitch McConnell, to pray for the president's cabinet, to pray for our military leaders. It is our duty to do this. This is part of rendering unto Caesar, as long with our vote, by the way. The other thing we can do is we can talk to our elected officials and urge them to move on and do the work of the people, particularly if you live in a district or a state in which you have Democrats elected to represent you. We are a constitutional republic. That is our form of government. They are elected to represent you, but they can't do it if they don't hear from you. So I would strongly urge you to contact your House member, your two senators, and let them know that you want them to move on and to protect the principles you believe in. Life, religious freedom, support for Israel, fight sex trafficking, keep the economy strong, allow private health insurance to flourish to stay out of the doctor-patient relationship and the kind of care and the kind of medication that you take, to have local control of education. There's so many issues I could go on about, and you know what's near and dear to your heart. So I would urge you to do that. In the meantime, Concerned Women for America will be busy about representing your views on an individual basis to members of Congress, to members of the of the cabinet and the administration. We're here to do that work. We'd ask for you to pray for us as well and your support. Everyone here today is united by your shared conviction. We know that our nation is stronger, our future is brighter, and our joy is greater when we turn to God and ask Him to shed His grace on our lives. As I said on Tuesday in the House chamber, in America, we don't punish prayer. We don't tear down crosses. We don't ban symbols of faith. We don't muzzle preachers. We don't muzzle pastors. In America, we celebrate faith. We cherish religion. We lift our voices in prayer and we raise our sights to the glory of God. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world. And we change history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God.
America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored. Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age, the American epic, the American adventure has only just begun. Our spirit is still young. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much. Again, I'm Penny Nansen, the CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. And this is our radio show called Use Your Voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.